0: Welcome to the Stratcom Podcasts. I'm your host, Kubra Akoc, a journalist at TRT World. Today, our guest is Bianca Ghosh. She's a chief storyteller and head of CEO communications at Global Technology Services firm, Vipro. Bianca, it's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Kubra, for having me. And uh, good to speak to you again after having you me met very briefly um, in Istanbul a, a couple of days ago.
0: Yeah, same here. So you, I just introduced you and you have a unique title, I would say. It's a unique position uh-huh. as far as I understood. Yes. What it's a... yeah, yeah, I want uh-huh. to ask you, what does Chief Storyteller at this global technology firm do, basically? <laughs> okay, thank you for that question. I do get that a lot.
1: Um, you know, um, it is unusual from a title standpoint uh, in the corporate world, but it's also for what you know, looking, it's also smart. It's, it's kind of avant-garde to provide a sense of continuity, yet freshness to a brand through traditional marketing communications and, and PR is not easy or not even sufficient in today's day and age, right? Especially in large organizations where, you know, it can get pretty easy to forget to connect the dots. Yeah. And I think that's where my role sits, right in the middle of traditional and experiential marketing, communications and thought leadership, customer engagement and and influencer relations. And um, while I lead storytelling for Wipro at an enterprise level, I also head up uh, messaging and communications for our global CEO who's based in France. I'm essentially responsible for driving content and creative messaging in a way that we haven't done before. So using content, to create a unique footprint for Wipro in the minds of our customers and as an extension for our employees. So, you know, I'm responsible for not just building awareness and growing our brand or positioning Wipro differently, Mm -hmm. but also building executive relationships and establishing, you know, leadership in in relevant areas that we play in, which is cloud and automation and machine learning uh, technology, uh, digital transformation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so part of my role is telling stories, of course. Yeah. But another part, Kubra, is also listening to stories mm-hmm. and unearthing and unexpected connections. And I think the most essential part of my role is to develop strategies for what stories should be told and how do we bring together leadership and marketing and sales and culture communications and diversity and inclusion to communicate our company's vision, values, purpose, our strengths and capabilities. Mm -hmm. And I look at my role as as more than a job. It's a mindset. It's a leadership skill. Mm -hmm. And my approach to this job has been whatever it takes. So from driving our CEO's brand and thought leadership and his visibility in the market to running, uh, let's say, our partnership with the World Economic Forum to how we leverage um that networking platform to writing tweets where necessary, um, running various inclusion programs with our customers, um, because I'm also part of WIPRO's Inclusion and Diversity Council. I do whatever it takes to uh, help position us differently and uh, create a central thread of conversation and perception change for WIPRO in the minds of our customers.
0: Yeah. I would say it's, a, it's, it's quite strategic and key position for the company. And I think more and more companies should hold, should have this position in my opinion, of course.
1: It's, you know, it's increasingly, if you look at it, this is happening. So I'll go back to the example of Nike back in 1974. Mm-hmm. Nike had a chief storyteller and we didn't even know about it. But Look at Mikey, an increasingly, amazingly aspirational brand, which is right at the intersection of sports, culture, creativity, innovation, technology, and, and the human connection, right? And everything that they're doing is pivoted around creativity and, and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, Microsoft had a chief storyteller for many years. Um, you know, uh, United uh, Airlines, I believe, has just brought on board somebody who's going to lead this kind of role. So the role of a content officer or, or storyteller, brand storyteller, is increasingly important in a day and age where companies need to differentiate themselves. And especially because of the COVID, the way that we as consumers also interact with a brand mm-hmm. or what we expect from a brand has changed significantly, right? We value so much more, um Ethics and, and purpose in a company. And so, being able to uh, use storytelling tools and techniques to differentiate yourselves in the minds of your customers is going to be essential for growth going forward, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are challenges like during the pandemic and even in the post like, COVID area, maybe there would be many more challenges uh, to you and to your colleagues, maybe. So, at this Ratcom Summit held in Istanbul, your session was also related to something in the post-COVID area. It was called Building Belief, Activating Corporate Character in the Post-COVID Area. So can you tell us more, like, to our podcast audience, those who missed your speech, those who missed your session at the summit, what was the key points of your session? What was the main... Highlights you wanted to share with us, so it was related to brand and reputation management. But can you give us more details about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely happy to happy to share some of my thinking in that area. But I I also want to um, you know thank uh, the directorate of communication for inviting me to share my views at the summit. I think it was a fantastic opportunity to meet um, like minded and forward thinking. Uh, individuals from the world of strategic communications and diplomacy and, and advisory, and great networking, great conversations, uh, great insights. So, uh, really enjoyed uh, the hospitality as well uh, in Istanbul. So, um, I so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about by starting about the role of strategic communications professionals in today's world because. This is a very dynamic world that we're living in today, right? Um, I think now more than ever, communications professionals must constantly look backward, attending to the products and the processes of the past, but also gazing forward, preparing for the innovations and the technology and the human challenges that will define the future. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we have to be, ambidextrous. We have to be, on one hand, free thinking entrepreneurs, um, thinking with a startup mindset. On the other hand, we have to be rigorous cost cutters because we want to be able to use the dollars that we have to create the right message and the right brand for the company that we represent or the nation that we represent. And then we also have to be makers of objective trade offs, um, right? Some trade-offs today, I think, have become unavoidable. And um, I want to go back to a point that I made, yes, um, to to a point that Simon Antholdt had made during his session, and it really stayed with me. And he had talked about during the on Summit about the nation brand and how it's built, how it's bolstered, how it's destroyed, how it's rebuilt. I really enjoyed his talk. And towards the close of his session, I remember he talked about how nations today must commit to doing what's good, not just for themselves, their own people, but also for others and the planet too. And that is the only way that admiration or reputation is built. Mm -hmm. That's how brand is built. And that's how loyalty is built. And the parallels between, um, Uh, building reputation and brand for a company and for a nation, they are, you know, they're very similar. Um, And that's where really environmental, social and corporate governance comes in, or ESG in short. Um, I'm sure you would have heard of ESG and how that's essentially, I, I believe it's changing completely the axis of reputation and communications work. And I wanted to bring this up as a key element of uh, brand work and communications work in today's dynamic atmosphere, especially with the changes after the uh, COVID um, pandemic has caused, resulting in consumers uh, demanding a lot more transparency, authenticity, um, and, and walking the talk on parts of brands. So you can't just you know check the box and move on from there, but you really need to be able to demonstrate how you are um, a good brand that has a purpose beyond profit making, and um, so I, I I drew parallels in my session um, about whether multi you know it's it's multinational corporations like the one that I work for, which is Wipro, it's a global technology company, or nation brands, and how companies today are facing significant regulatory, social, market pressures to align their interests with the interests of society, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, of course, because of the pandemic. But I believe, Cobra, that if you take COVID out of that equation, you will still get the same result because all these changing expectations Mm -hmm. are the ripple effects of national frameworks and intergovernmental frameworks that have already been put in place. Frameworks like the Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs, Or the Paris Agreement, which are responding to two of the biggest challenges that is facing humanity today climate change and inequality, right? And I believe that these frameworks are very tangible and they're very far reaching. Mm -hmm. And they're changing not just national policy landscapes and regulation, but they're also catalyzing market interventions. They are changing the flow of capital across public and private. Um, They're changing consumer expectations, employee expectations, and they're prompting the adoption of stakeholder models of public governance. And in the face of this landscape, whether it's nation brands, which is what a lot of people at the summit talked about, or corporate brands, they must, I believe, to increasingly reduce their environmental impact and increase their social impact. And that was essentially um, the the takeaway from my talk as to how um, ESG, those who are building strong ESG reputations Mm -hmm. are the ones that are poised for growth in today's day and age.
0: Yeah, right. I see. So you said increased social impact for like corporate Mm -hmm. uh, brands or some nation brands as well. So since Mm -hmm. you said Mm -hmm. social impact, How do you see the gender inequality or gender diversity or just diversity and inequality stands in this equation? How do you see, like, while building a brand and reputation, are we also balancing, like, with all technical work we need to do there is also mm-hmm. a social side, and in the social side, this is an important component, which is diversity and equality. So how do you see this situation in the today's uh, context?
1: That is a very important question, and I'm so glad you asked that. Um, ESG in itself um, includes an, a component or an element of equality. And that is one of the biggest challenges facing humanity today. Across the world, um, you, will, you will have seen enough reports. You know, you're part of um, the, the team and the cohort um, who report on inequalities. And you will notice that because of the pandemic, inequalities have exacerbated manifold. Um, whether it is from an economic social standpoint, whether it is in terms of gender equality, I believe that the pandemic, and not I believe data proves it, that the pandemic has wiped away almost an entire decade's worth of progress and work that has been done in the area of gender equality. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to start afresh um, in terms of, you know, building that sense of uh, belonging and, and, and community for women because we know for a fact that the pandemic has affected women disproportionately, especially women who are from minority communities, women who are from communities of color, they've been disproportionately affected. I don't have the exact data, um, Kubra, as of today, but I know that um, data from a couple of months ago had proved that women lost more jobs during the pandemic than men did. And they've also had the burden of, oh, I wouldn't call it burden, but they've also had the responsibility of taking care of the family, taking care of children, uh, elderly care, schooling, all of that, right? And it's been incredibly challenging for women, especially during the pandemic. So I think um, forward-thinking, concrete suggestions and, and actions from global companies like the ones that I represent, or many other companies as were represented at the StratCom Summit, they need to start factoring for the impact that, um, that uh, schooling and, and uh, childcare and elder care has on women's ambition and their progression in the workplace and their ability to participate in the workplace and offer proactive suggestion, proactive actions and programs for them to feel more supported. And I do believe that gender equality needs to be at the forefront of every company's um, strategic focus area. I'll give you an example of Wipro because I work with them and I'm seeing um, the, the changes that we're bringing about. Um, we realize that women need to be supported during this time. And so we've brought in various programs from you know, building communities or employee resource groups where women, can, women and men, parents can share their challenges and their you know, uh, tips and tricks, et cetera. There are specific programs when it comes to um, you know, maternal care, paternity benefits, um, different kinds of support systems. And I think that's really essential. We were at a point, um, I would say back in 2019, where we did not have a single female leader in our executive board and our executive committee. Today, in the last 18 months, because we've had such a significant focus on inclusion and diversity, we've hired 90 women um, in senior leadership roles over the last 18 months. And um, today we have you know, five or six, I believe, Uh, female leaders who are part of our executive committee, Um, whether it's our chief growth officer to our chief technology officer to our chief data privacy officer, we're being led by women who are strong, who are intuitive, who are great leaders, and they're shaping and changing the way that this company both operates and plans and prepares for the future of tomorrow. And I think companies who who are doing that are not just doing the right thing, but they're also making sure that they're poised for growth um, in in uh, tomorrow.
0: Right. I mean, I think you made you made a very important point because, like, if like maybe for example, a company has has the same number of staff, like men and women, female and male workers, the number number is same. Let's assume that. But the, if the role, like senior, you said senior leadership role, you hire women. Mm-hmm. So if the senior leadership roles are all for men, then then there is another inequality. Although when we look from our side, okay, at this company, number of women and number of men working are the same. So there is equality. But when we go inside and see that all the managers, all the directors are men and all the like at this hierarchical uh, position, women are always at the lower levels. So this is also another this, point that needs to be addressed, I would say.
1: Absolutely. And you know, Kupra, there's, uh, there's a lot of research that is indicating that um, perhaps women-led companies are better positioned to survive the pandemic and, and thrive in the new, um, the new world of wealth that we're in today, right? It, it's remote. It is extremely dynamic. Um, and, and I do believe that it's not just about the numbers, but it's also about the perspective and, and, and the difference in opinion that women can bring to the board, to the corporate um, uh, you know, leadership team. That is essential because every company today is addressing or is selling to products and services to a world which is diverse. And you need to have a leadership team in a company that represents the real world that they do business in. It cannot be um, homogeneous. It cannot be homogeneous from a racial and ethnicity standpoint or a gender standpoint. And I do believe that there are very many companies who are realizing the benefits of having that kind of diverse thinking and diverse leadership within their leadership team and are making a concerted effort to make sure that women are included and represented in every decision-making process of the company.
0: Yeah. Right. So we need female leaders, female decision-makers, as well as men, of course, not only females, (laughs) Absolutely, we need both. So lastly, I want to ask you about this. So with the pandemic, digitization got to a brand new level, like... Every company, every nation also had to brand itself on the on digital, like on the internet. Maybe rebrand itself on the internet, on social media, because since we lost face to face communication, uh, it all started to be all diplomacy turned to digital, or communication, strategic communication turned to digital. So companies and Countries realize that they have to also exist digitally to to be to be sustainable or to keep going to, to to exist basically. So that was challenging for some countries or some maybe some some corporate firms. So if you work for a global technology firm, maybe like it's not a, it wasn't a big deal for your firm, but some firm like some other firms who has nothing to do with technology that just completely irre- irrelevant firms. So was it challenging for them to adapt to this pandemic-related standards when it comes to reputation and brand building?
1: That's a great question. And I'm going to break this down into two um, two different streams. One, yes, I do believe that the pandemic has made companies that were kind of fence-sitters uh, for many years who wouldn't thinking about uh, embarking on a digital transformation of their companies, but then they realized that in the post-COVID era, oh well, we're still in the middle of COVID, so I can't really say post-COVID, but um, now it is absolutely essential that they transform their their operations and their businesses to be more digital. And um, so I think the pandemic has essentially um, turbocharged Uh, the digital transformation trajectories of many, many companies, big and small, legacy companies or startups alike. And there was a very rapid adoption of digital technologies. Now, along with digital technologies like, let's say, cloud or automation, et cetera, you also realize that there are certain business risks um, that come along with it, right? So whether it's um, a 5G or data, you're thinking about cybersecurity and protection. And so over the last two years, um, every chief technology officer, chief information officer or CEO has had top of mind a couple of things. One is how do you ensure that you are a company that is able to work remotely and still deliver on its products and services to their um, consumers? And at the same time, create a sense of community and connectedness and service their own employees as well. The second is, alongside that digital transformation, how do you secure the company um, from cyber threats and data uh, attacks, et cetera? So cybersecurity has taken top of mind. But um, absolutely, I mean, the adoption of digital has been massive in the last two years, and we only see that uh, accelerating in the next decade. This is, you know, this is a great time to be in technology. It's a part of life today. Um, so, so that's, that's on the adoption side, but then digital transformation is not just about the technologies you adopt, but it's also about the people who are going to be using the technologies. And so digital transformation and cultural transformation go hand in hand in any company you can bring in processes and technologies and, and automation but unless the, the, the people it is meant for your employees and your customers they don't understand the benefit of it and they don't adapt and, and uh, accept it that's not that's going to be a failed transformation and so I think cultural transformation which goes back to the point of ESG, which goes back to the point of how do you ensure that you're bringing in a modern mindset into a company? You are representing your brand out in the market as a company that is forward-thinking, that is preparing for the challenges of tomorrow ahead of time, and has that kind of vision and understanding to synthesize the global landscape um understand it and have a response to it. You will not really be able to affect a cultural transformation inside your company that will then make your entire digital transformation successful. Um, so elements of environmental sustainability and elements of inclusion and diversity, elements of pay parity, um, elements of carbon footprint, et cetera, all of that needs to be baked into your process of digital transformation to say that every decision we're making, whether it is moving to the cloud or whether it is automating certain of our processes, everything has a positive impact on the people that that these technologies are supposed to serve. So I think there's the human element of technology and then there is the business element of technology and they need to come together for successful digital transformation, which is increasingly happening, which is what companies like Wipro offer. Um, to many, many global companies. But yeah, this is this is the reality today.
0: Right. Bianca Ghosh, thanks for this fascinating discussion. Pleasure to have you on the Stratcom podcast.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, I wish happy holidays to everybody and a wonderful new year. Kubra, thanks.